strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdell, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Uh, election day is behind us, although the outcome is still, I guess, brewing. Although it seems like we're leaning towards a Joe Biden presidency. Republicans took the Senate. So, you know, nothing like everybody being happy. I, I think, if anything, that might be the best result for across the board contentment, in my opinion. If there's a such thing as everything, everybody wins in a year that we've had. So the optimist in me is thinking, hey, that's good for everybody. It's a balance of power. There's enough people that hated Trump that were devastated and having him around. So it looks like he's on his way out. Everyone will rejoice at that that didn't like him. And for people that did like him, you at least get the Senate with Republicans. I mean, and, you know, the outcome hasn't been announced, but I know elections been we had to bring it up. We're not a political show, but we are humans who are obviously all impacted by this. It's been a crazy year. And, you know, I think everyone's relieved to have this thing in the rearview mirror as entertaining as it's been. But one thing I will say, love or hate Trump, he brought politics into conversation, which I think is extremely important for everybody because it's the lay of the land. You know, it's really something I think it's great to actually take notice to. It'll be interesting to see though, if he's out of the picture, is everybody just going to be like, ah, moving on, no more politics. Yeah, definitely won't be as entertaining at all. But So um, do you guys think, do you not think people will be as interested anymore again in politics like pre-Trump era? Yeah, I mean, there'll definitely be... Uh, less entertainment on TV. Like I, I is SNL going to be as funny? No. <laughs> like all the, you know, Jimmy Kimmel. They're going to need new content. It's yeah, crazy. They had endless content. So, but yeah, I mean, happy with whatever the outcome is. I think people just have to accept. Or he just went uh, muted on us. There might be uh censoring going on. I don't think uh, Trump spiked anyone's interest in politics. I think people have been interested in politics for a while. And like when you look at the Obama administration, people were definitely very interested in politics. I just think that he brought a different crowd into it, and you know, that's and, and made politics almost not really about politics. Made it just about a whole another bag of hammers, whatever you want to call it, but. Yeah, it'll just the the funny thing to me, the notion of post president Donald Trump is hysterical because that security detail, I, I'm gonna give whoever that is a hell of a lot of credit. Talk about a guy that you knew no will not be low profile, no matter what. He's not gonna be like Obama who will show up on, you know, Richard Branson's island hanging out surfing once in a while, but he's not making a stink naturally. Donald Trump is going to create a tidal wave anywhere he goes. He loves the attention. So when you think about having to protect former presidents, the Secret Service, 
that is going to be a taxing job on a whole nother level. It will be interesting to see the aftermath of all this and what Trump does next. If, you know, He'll have a network. He's going to have Trump TV, which he was planning on doing four years ago when he thought he was going to lose. So, <laughs> you know, he he's going to make a fortune having his own network. Yeah. yeah all, think about it. All of his failed businesses will now work. Yeah. I mean, he, order, this was the order, best thing that ever happened to Trump. He, <laughs> yeah. he, had, he needed this. And now, you know, he gets to hang out in his glory years. And I mean, I don't know, why would he want this job anyway? It's crazy. You know what it I mean, is, Corey? He's addicted to winning. And I think that's is. something in itself. That's all he's ever known. And he literally, like, that's what he's on earth for is to win. And you're even seeing it now. He's like just doing whatever it takes, scrambling like a, you know, you could just see it. Like, that's all he knows. He's like, oh, I need to fight this. So yeah. it's it's tough when you are, when you always think like that. He, his father <laughs> taught him to be like that. But hey. It's been quite a run regardless. Um, I think everyone, it's going to be interesting to see what people are talking about. Sports have been locked down. It'll be, everyone's anxious to get back out and about. Who knows when that's even going to happen. But we need, Trump provided a lot of content during a time that people needed it really. And now I'm just wondering like, what's next? What's going to be the filler? UFOs? Are we going to hear yeah. aliens are coming? I mean, it'll definitely be a much more, Hopefully, I guess much more boring four years. <laughs> it won't be as much to talk about. They did. What, the weird thing is, they kind of announced the whole UFO thing during the pandemic, and no one seemed to care at all. I know. But, yeah. That's why you've got to think extraterrestrial conversation is now going to be all of a sudden. Like now that there's not this hovering political cloud, you're going to start not hearing about China. You're going to start hearing about maybe aliens. I don't yeah, know. So, you know, uh, I think we're going to ultimately, once the dust settles here, go back to everything going on with the pandemic. And ultimately, there's a vaccine that's probably going to come out soon. I heard them just talking about how one of the companies, I didn't hear which one, saw that their vaccine has like quadrupled the amount of antibodies is what they were originally thinking. And, wow. you know, there's some good news going on behind the scenes with the vaccines. So I think once the dust settles with the election, the focus is going to be back on that. And we'll probably be out of that mess sooner than we think. And then people aren't going to need an extra source of entertainment. They're going to be able to go back to actually having entertainment and you know, getting on flights, getting on cruises, going to things like Top Golf and having fun. Dan's pumped for Top Golf. Well, top golf's yeah. been open throughout this. That was just like a thing I threw out there. Nice. <laughs> that's actually a terrible example because top golf is one of the things that's like kind of been open throughout all this and golf in general. So, yeah. But, you know, one of the cool things, I don't know if you guys saw, it applies to certain states, Colorado, I think Louisiana, and a few others. And this is a huge deal. People are going to start to realize this. Is one of the laws that got passed yesterday allows these casinos that aren't in Vegas to no longer have limits on their bets. So like when you look at Blackhawk in Colorado, that place used to have limits where like if you went and played craps, you could only bet up into up to a hundred bucks. So if you got on like a hot roll, it was only going to get so high. And same with any other game you were playing there in Colorado, Louisiana, I think like Virginia, some of these random states that have casino towns in them, got rid of that limit and they're going to give Vegas a run for their money now. Cause you look at a place like Blackhawk 
that's going to turn into like a cool little destination for people that want to go gamble. Like even dad, for example, he loves to play craps. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's not never, to, yeah. Not to mention that's the bar. That's a barstool sports book. That's a, uh, a pen pen owns that. Pen owns yeah. that yeah, you got to think there'll be more hotels built around there now, just off that alone. Cause you're going to have the, as it is Colorado, such an appealing destination to be able to like Blackhawks, not too far from the mountains, you know, make a whole ski weekend of it, throw some gambling in there. You, you have a whole thing going on. Like that's a, that's going to take bachelor parties to a whole nother level when you yeah. think about it. Cause the no Absolutely. limit thing is definitely huge. Yeah. And then, um, didn't three other states pass recreational marijuana too? Literally, was just going to New Jersey, Montana, South Dakota, South Dakota. Arizona, yeah. Guys, we got to get into marijuana delivery here. Yeah, we really do. I think South Dakota was the first state to pass recreational and medicinal at the same time. Ever. Really? Is yeah. it Snow Falls time, Corey? Mike. What? You know, you're going to love this. Oregon became the first state to legalize the regulated medical use of psychedelics and mushrooms. Oh, yeah. That's why those stocks were popping like crazy today. You see CI uh, PMS was up like 12%. PMS. Yeah. That's a Peter Thiel company. Great stock name. Yeah, Corey, it's a synthetic mushroom company. And for our viewers, we've talked about this on our morning mashup show we've done, but the psychedelic movement with mental health is just getting started. It's crazy. And you have some top names in Silicon yeah. Valley behind this. Tim Ferriss, Peter Thiel, uh, Kevin O'Leary, the guy from Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, has a lot of money in some of these companies. So take keep an eye on that because what Dan just highlighted, that's just the beginning here. Yeah, there's a lot of hype going around now. Like I've been hearing all kinds of things about that. Well, because it, it alleviates opioid addiction. That's the big thing here is the whole big pharma fight. That's what's prevented this for so long. But we all know when Silicon Valley's behind something, they make it work. They've got the resources and that's why it's just, it's, it's very healthy for the world because we know how devastating that's been in itself for over what it's been like 15, 20 years now. Yeah. And just to dive into these drug laws a little bit more. So Oregon also decriminalize small amounts of street drugs. I think that literally means like crack and things like that. They don't specify. That's crazy. And it's, it's smart. Yeah. It, it, they, they, they did it in Portugal and then the drug rate, the crime rate went way down just because, you know, well, yeah, the crime rate everywhere. People are natural rebels. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's also a crime rate's going to go down if you make something no longer a crime. Well, so, true. Yeah. And then, so I don't, I don't know if that like means people aren't doing it as much or if it's just not illegal anymore, but all right. Then here's the other thing is with the weed stuff is Mississippi made it medical, Arizona made it recreational. So Arizona is going to basically be like Colorado retail sales could start as soon as April and then South Dakota medical and recreational good for them. That's pretty cool. Wow, it might be time for us to dig ground in uh, South Dakota. Yeah, and then Montana is, I think, going all in here. They're allowing residents to start growing, and recreational sales are going to start in January 2022. So I guess this is the first time they're just doing medical to start, and it's 21 and up for them. And Jersey is actually recreational, not just medical. Yeah. I think they already had medical. Mm. Yeah, they did. Yeah, big strides for the uh, cannabis space. 
big time in these elections, but not that big of strides. I mean, when you think about it, people were definitely expecting a blue wave and, you know, that's far from what happened. So it's not like we're getting federally legal weed here. I, I think that's something that still could pass though. Cause Trump was personally really against that. And so was Jeff Sessions, who's no longer in the picture. So when you take those guys out of the equation, I don't know. I, I think there's definitely possibility there. They with especially after this pandemic, money generators. When you think about it, the government needs it. Just what'd like what do you think of uh, Trump announcing his victory last night at two thirty? It's Trump. most Trump thing ever. Yeah. It's I mean, a- I also think this thing is going to go to the Supreme Courts now. So we'll it we'll will, even yeah. see. I'm hearing a lot of mixed things. The so. funny thing about the thing last night was what Pence said to follow him. Yeah. Pence is just so political, and he was like, wanted to make sure that we they weren't announcing victory. That guy cracks me up. He's a politician. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and Trump's yeah. not. <laughs> That's the difference. And, you know, it's remarkable, that whole thing. But that'll be interesting to see how this actually plays out. It, it seems like, like it, on it, the fly here, there's crazy stuff happening where there might be flipping states now we're hearing. Like, who knows? I mean, it seems like. It's pretty common theme here that everyone thinks Biden's going to win. Yeah, the betting lines have gone down a bit though. Again, so I, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, you know, there's still there's like yeah, a narrow path. There's a definitely some people now, that are now Biden six away two sixty. He's up to two sixty four now. Yeah, I mean if he wins that win any more states, but any there's more states, yeah. I think there's like some there's a chance a couple of those states are getting flipped. I don't know. Yeah. Like Arizona might flip. They're saying now. What crazy process this whole thing is. It's just crazy. It's we're insane. in 2020 and they couldn't figure out a way to, I was thinking like cracking up my head. It'd be like Amazon hitting us up being like, listen guys, we're guaranteeing you this amount of deliveries and this amount of money. We need you just staffing this, make it happen. This is like on this day, like months from now, one day. Yeah. How can they not staff people to count this? Like, I don't understand that. Isn't it all volunteer based? Like, these people aren't making That's my point, though. The government's talking about paying people down the road to take a vaccine, possibly. Can't you pay people, volunteers, to count votes? No, that's a good point. Here's the thing. If Trump was so worried about this whole thing being rigged, he should have been pushing more to his uh, supporters, like, hey, go out and volunteer at the polls. No, dude, that's part of what this is. They were they were barricaded from certain counties. Like that's part of the fight here. Yeah, hard to believe that they were actually well. You know, saw, look at, no, no, no. It's there's no, no I, doubt. I saw, there's some turmoil going on. I saw one of Trump's sons. I don't. I'm not sure which one. I think it was Eric. I tweeted a video of something in Philly, and it's just like I never know when I see these videos of what's really going on because it could be. Well, and that's the, that's the screw up part of the world right now is not knowing. All, but news has always been like that. It's been built on lies from day one. So, oh yeah, you know, D Green, Corey, what's up, bro? Oh, my man, D. IU, IU, baby, IU football. Talk about a nice bright spot in all this. Ranked 13 in the coaches' polls. I mean, it's so crazy. Uh, uh, yeah, short and season or not, we'll take it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Corey, any uh, good food for thought today? Yeah, got a uh, hold up here. I think Conj is caught up in probably the election. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <Not you. laughs> oh, there you go. We can let him in. I didn't get my package though. Yeah, I didn't get a pa- I've had my package for like D, B Town menu still has a booming. 
Oh yeah. Well, we appreciate yeah. it. It's Conch coming on. Let's get him on. And hello, everybody. I am coming to you from a very special episode of Win Mike Rollins Lunch, where I've traveled back in time from the future. Wow. I am, I'm future Sean, here to tell everyone the result everyone wants to know. This year, the winner of the Super Bowl will be the Tennessee Titans. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a hell yeah. of a prediction. I actually like where your head's at there, Conch. Yeah, so, this is this is Titans country here, and uh, Mike Florio or is it Sean Connell? Who do we have on air here? Sean Connell, did you uh, not? Did you forget that Halloween was last week? This is uh, Sean Connell's uh, great grandson here um, from the year twenty one ninety two, and we are bringing you this extra special episode. How's everyone doing this week? Fantastic, Andy. I'm excited for the twenty one ninety two groovy era. It's coming back, I'm telling you. It's like the '70s all over again. Conch, you got a nice, you got a nice tan going on. What the lights just hit? The lights just hitting you right. You know me, I love my bronzer. Now is everyone ready to play? Win, Mike Rollins lunch. Yep. Fantastic. First up this week, we have returning champion Corey Aronson. Corey Aronson. Your categories this week are say cheese, faking it. Hail Satan, not very meaty, get turnt, and death by chocolate. Ooh, I'll go with uh, get turnt. Uh, get turnt. Let's check out what that's about. In 2019, at 2.5 million cases, which alcohol was the highest seller in the United States? Was it Smirnoff Vodka, Jack Daniels Whiskey, Bacardi Rum, or Seagram's Gin? Oh, man, that's tough. Uh, I'll go with Jack Daniels. No. Oh, I'm sorry. The answer is Smirnoff Vodka. Yeah, a lot of college freshmen out there, apparently. Yeah. So we, Corey is down one here, and now we're moving on to Dan Roland. Dan, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. I still uh, only have half my taste buds from that hot sauce, but I'm here. Wow. <laughs> I'm wearing this red shirt to demonstrate the hot sauce that I took. And, you know, well, fortunately for you, my package for you didn't arrive this week. So I will do something to make up for it next week where I will find a way to pay a penalty for that one. Now, your categories are. Say cheese, faking it, hail Satan, not very meaty, and death by chocolate. I'm going to do faking it. Faking it. Uh, (laughs) Faking it. The earliest known version of imitation meat in the Western world was a peanut butter-based mixture called protose created created in the early 1800s by the founder of this cereal company. Was it Post, General Mills, Quaker, or Kellogg's? Can you repeat the question? Was it, repeat the question? The earliest version of imitation meat in the Western world was created by this founder of a cereal company. Kellogg's. Kellogg's. And that is... uh, 
wherever the sound effect is. Ding, ding. That is correct. It is Kellogg's. John Harvey Kellogg. Also added wow. with the invention of cereal. Dick Gatch. Shout out to the Business Wars podcast. There it is. It's a there good one. Go. There we go. Apology for the sound mixing today. The conj was gambling late last night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have our food king, Mike Roland. The crowd is so excited oh, to hear yeah. from you today. So your questions are, say cheese, faking it, hail Satan. Uh, not faking it, actually. Sorry, Dan already did that one. Not very meaty and death by chocolate. Death by chocolate. Wow, there he is. Death by chocolate. This is exciting. How much chocolate would be the minimum lethal dose for a 160-pound person? Is it 3 pounds, 7 pounds, 11 pounds, or 22 pounds? Wow. I'm going to go with 11 pounds. 11 pounds. And that is correct. Wow. Boom, baby. That was a good guess, Mike. Yeah, so chocolate. Note to viewers, it is totally safe to eat six pounds of chocolate, so feel free to do it tonight. But if you eat 11 or 12 pounds, you will die. Most likely, indeed. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of chocolate. (laughs) Dan, you got a sweet tooth. How much is the most chocolate you've ever eaten in a sitting? Oh, man, I mean, if I, if I had to guess, I'm probably in like the ounces, not pound range. Dan eats like one and a half cookies and then leaves like eight donuts for yeah. Corey and me. It's like, <laughs> oh, these look great. And then I'm the one just crushing them. I've definitely come nowhere near the uh, the limit of near death. Dan likes like window shopping at grocery stores, grabbing the desserts and then not even touching them. <laughs> He'll have one and then it'll be like, oh, man, yeah, I got to yeah. eat these. I did make cupcakes for Halloween, and I've been eating them like crazy. Did Miss Marie and Miles get any? Uh, fortunately, not. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Remember when Young Man got into that edible? I, I was literally oh just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do because, and if we have time here, I'll tell a quick story. But we thought that happened to Marie, which is this little dog that only weighs two pounds, oh, and she like was literally having like a seizure and. They don't even know why, but that that was like the first thing they thought. I'm sitting there like, damn, did this really happen? (laughs) But it did not happen. Wow. And Marie lived to tell the tale. Continue on. Well, I'm glad Marie's okay. (laughs) (laughs) After one round, we have one for Dan, one for Mike, and zero for Corey. Are we ready for round two? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Now, next up, we have once again Corey Aronson fighting to not come in last place here. You have Say Cheese, Hail Satan, and Not Very Meaty. Let's go with uh, Not Very Meaty. Not Very Meaty for the Meaty Man. <laughs> wow. Before you ask the question, our Twitter is blowing out, but people want to know if you're wearing a wig or not. Yeah, he, he is. is. He is. Definitely. He is absolutely wearing a wig. The, the truth is, I actually have zero body hair whatsoever. Everything is done by my fantastic makeup artist, Henry, over there. <laughs> Let's for see Henry. him. Yeah, Henry. Yeah. 
Really big fan. He's my newest intern. Got him. You from, both uh, are interns like water, Quizmaster Sean. Yeah, it's like young men and roommates. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. They both get in a lot of legal trouble, so I'm sure everyone can understand. I have high demand, so there's a high turnover rate. Conj, I say, uh, or Quizmaster, if for not uh, maybe you'll have to take the wig off as your penalty for not having Dan's package. Oh, Ooh, thought, that, thoughts on that? that nervous. That'll <laughs> be a consideration. The, my We're bald head it. is terrifyingly <laughs> odd looking, so I might <laughs> spare the audience and come up with something else for them. Our quizmaster oh, yeah. might lose service, right? Is that some how right? He has gone yeah. static. <laughs> yeah. So there's Corey for question. Well, the question for Corey is. <laughs> According to worldatlas.com, keep in mind, I was up very late last night. Which country is the most vegetarian per capita? Oh, this is easy. You is it the... Italy, Taiwan, Israel, or India? I'll go with India, but it Definitely seems too obvious. That seems very right. <laughs> Sometimes nice I throw an obvious one in there for you. 38% hey. of India is Boom, vegetarian. Baby. The you never know why Beyond Meat is going to the moon. Keep Boom, that baby. in mind. Going right up there. Everyone's excited for Beyond Meat. Lots of fans in this crowd of it. Next closest country, by the way, is Israel at 13%. So India by far. That by falafel far. is kicking, Kanj. Mm, yes. Getting some later. Uh, fun fact, Mike once told me that Israel has the best pizza. And it, it, pizza I'm, and ice cream, phenomenal there. Dan, yes, it is. Not, I wouldn't say the best. <laughs> or not the best York pizza, but yeah, very there. good. Very but good. I told a lot, of, a lot of people that. And, yeah. You know, no, it I've was surprisingly good. I'd say pizza's a food you wouldn't think is decent there. It's decent there, but it, far from the best. Pizza. Well, compared to no, it's like up there though. Like in America, besides New York, Israel is pretty good pizza, no is doubt it, about it. Yeah, Tel Aviv has fantastic food. Oh yeah, Tel Aviv's great. Yeah. Apparently, the best pizza in the country is New Haven, Connecticut. Not yes, that's true. Well, uh, Lou Barisi owns. Shout out to him. He owns uh, Dopio. In I believe that in Greenwich, Connecticut, that's up there. So oh, for any of our viewers, Don Pepe's, Sally's, I've heard of Don good. Pepe's, never been. Both New Haven. Still awesome have to also go to Dopio. Don Pepe. Mm. All right, Don, Don Pepe. Pepe. Now Don with that, we are up to Dan Roland. Dan, you could clench yourself as not the loser here. Uh, your questions <laughs> are: Say cheese and hail Satan. Hell Satan. Satan, not Satan, was discovered in 535 BCE in this country. Was it Persia, Egypt, China, or Greece? Persia. Persia, and that is wrong. I'm sorry. It was discovered in China. China. That was my second. Yep. China. Also discovered tofu about 500 years later. I thought I was being clever with Persia because it's, yeah. yeah. Sounds right. Sounds right. All right. A big applause to our question writers over here. Our intern, Good job, Lucy. Henry. Oh, that's Lucy's apartment. Oh, Henry just nice. does my hair and makeup. That is a six-hour job wow. uh, <laughs> every day that we do these things. 
Freddie and Mercury, it, folks. We actually never had really thanked Conge for all these amazing questions that he asked. So. Yeah, Conge. This yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. keep in mind, Conge is also auditioning himself. He's been building up a company through this. So. Well, yeah, Conge, uh, that brings me to our advertiser, Tyler. <laughs> and our advertiser for the week is Lodell.com. Lodell, where food gets inside your body. <laughs> Lodell.com. Yeah. Belly or gets inside your body. All right, Love we got Matt Wardle coming up in a couple here, Conch. Oh, shoot. Let's speed along yeah. then, Mike. In order to clinch the win, your question is say cheese. The question say is cheese. say cheese. Wisconsin is the biggest cheese producing state in the country with 3.3 billion pounds of cheese produced per year. What is the second biggest cheese producing state? Is it California, Nebraska, Michigan, or Indiana? Hmm. Oh, man. Trick question. I don't think, I think it's actually California. Yeah. California, that is correct. Well done. Mike wins the week and defends his lunch. Oh, yeah. As always, an impressive showing by Mike Rowland. So great. Corey, I forgot. Did you have your SAT? That's why. You love structuring these like SAT questions. You know me. I'm a obvious throw in like obviously it's or a trap though it It seemed like oh it's the biggest state so that's a given and then you fall into it that's why it's like tricky exactly i try to keep you all guessing oh i did get get a a, uh a random variety of groceries i still have them if you want to see (laughs) that's interesting did you get the amazon package though no really damn (laughs) All right, well, I got well, a, uh, a case of beer. Well, and Hodge, of thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, in that case, we're going to skip the tiebreaker this week. And since I forgot to send Dan something in my mail and to, to Corey was messed up, I will do the humiliation at the top of next week before Boom. the show starts. Quizmaster Sean, you're the man. Thank you again. We'll see. Thanks you very next much. Week. It's been with Mike Rollins Lunch. Thanks to Lodo.com, Corey, Mike, and Dan. I will see y'all next week. Take care. All right. So we have joining us in a minute, guys, Ogden, Utah-based CEO of JD Machine Corp. And I'll be honest with you, Matt Wardle seems like a really sharp guy. I'm pumped to talk to him because normally when I'm doing research on a company, I'm like able to pride myself in really grasping how it works. And I'm so curious to hear about how he came up with building this great business because Dan, you'll be impressed by what they do. Um, Ogden is a market we just launched low Dell in. So we're excited to go there after the pandemic. It looks gorgeous. And without further ado, let's have Matt Wordle come on. Matt, thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing well. Good to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So what, Matt, to start off, what's your favorite part about the, one of the most gorgeous places I've been, Utah? Well, it's, uh, it's the outdoors. I mean, uh, we've got world-class skiing here. The mountain biking is amazing. Uh, four seasons, the change. It's uh, and it's an outdoor mecca. So all the things I love about being outside is just outside my my door. That's great. And take us through, Matt. Like your day to day life work balance throughout this pandemic. Being able to be in Utah, have you felt the lockdown like a lot of the country with your ability to be in the outdoors like that? 
uh, you know, about a year ago, I moved to Ogden Valley, and, and I've got Powder Mountain about 10 minutes away from me, uh, Nordic Valley's about five, and Snow Basin's about, uh, oh, 20 minutes away. So, I mean, as far as dealing with the pandemic, that's that's been great therapy, just to be able to go outside, to go out and hike, go out and mountain bike. Uh, certainly, it's created a lot of stress, but uh, the outlet of being able to recenter by being outside has just been... Uh, it's been great. It's been really uh, not not. A, we've rode through it pretty well, all things considered. That's great. Yeah, having a backyard where you do that sounds amazing. Nice peace of mind during these times. And Matt, what's it been like with your company throughout? Like, has there been a big shift with working remotely? And what's the management been like throughout all of this? Uh, we're an essential business, and uh, we manufacture a lot of component parts. In fact, uh, some one of our bigger customers is involved with uh, diagnosing pathogens through uh, a DNA test. And right out of the bat, they gave, they got emergency uh, authority to launch a COVID panel. So um, that business has been really busy. We're actually also making a pedestal, kind of a a, a stand you'd walk up to that would take your temperature. Uh, that's been that's been busy as well. So we've been tied in with you know some of the solutions for this pandemic, uh, and because we're a manufacturing business, it's tough to work remotely. It really is. As people have, uh, uh, as we've tried to do social distancing in some of the, our our open area office areas, there's been a few people who could uh, have worked from home. But by and large, we need to be here under the roof. So we've uh, taken a ton of precautions with wearing masks and distancing as much as possible. Our people have been great. Um, we've had, you know, just a couple of infections uh, that were community spread, nothing that's gone on here at, at the, under our facility. So uh, it's definitely been a challenge, but uh, our team is, you know, they're, they're really united in working the problem and, and Utah's spiking really, really bad right now for COVID cases. So, um, I think there's a pretty good amount of vigilance out there amongst our folks and making sure that we stay healthy. And Matt, you clearly have the experience. I mean, congratulations. You've been at the helm of your company since July of 1989, which I don't want to make you feel old at all. I, I was three years old at the time. <laughs> so, I was just born. <laughs> that remarkable though, man. How do you, like, what can you equate to that type of longevity running a business? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, my dad started this business when I was 11 and he, it was a mom and pop shop. I mean, my mom and dad literally ran machines and it was a two person operation and I'd sweep the floor. So when I was in my early twenties, um, they'd worked hard. Uh, they, uh, taken the profits and got a retirement put together and they wanted to go travel. So that's why I was so young when I got, uh, the, the, the ownership of the company. Um, at that time, it was small. We had about four people working here, and uh, my dad was great. He says, I want to have a place to go and work, but I don't want the headaches of managing the company, and you need to grow this because we, he only had one customer. So it was pretty obvious that we needed to expand, diversify, and that's been kind of the key to our success in riding through the ups and downs of the economy. And it was, uh, I mean, it, I'll be honest, it was stressful. My um, my kids are in college right now and my oldest son, I mean, I, he works here at the shop. I look at those days of going to school. He's got a fair amount of responsibility here. And I look back on that and it's, it's just exhausting to think about, but it was a great place to learn uh, both, you know, the book, book side of um, business management and then go and apply it at work. So uh, I got a great education. 
So you basically got your feet wet during college as an entrepreneur. You you hit the ground running throughout your studies. Right. Yeah. My, uh, in fact, a lot of the people that uh, are in my senior management now were were there at that time. I hired some friends, and I think we got a little tired because I learned some new tech management technique at school, and I'd come try it out at work. But uh, it was it was good, and and it kind of created a oh I guess a culture of lifelong learning here where because we all have grown up in the business, we've had to look outward and try to find best practices to implement here at, uh, at the business. And, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. I mean, we're always, uh, trying to innovate. Uh, this manufacturing business is very, very challenging as most businesses are. Ours is pretty dynamic because we're always changing. We're moving into new markets. We're a supplier, a component parts supplier to a lot of large manufacturers. Boeing's a customer. Um, we're doing wow. work right now for, uh, for, for a very small company, but, uh, people that have a product, they're kind of get trying to put together and has machine to fabricate components in it. Typically don't build those themselves. They'll outsource them to companies like mine and we build the parts to their design. They build it, put it together, assemble it and ship it off, whether it be an aircraft or, you know, medical device. We're doing implant, uh, medical implant work now for hip replacements. Uh, just a variety stuff, but it, that variety also creates a lot of stability because uh, when something shifts like it is now, commercial aircraft is really slow. We're able to pivot and go into making COVID uh, diagnostic machines. Wow, that's really that's impressive. Incredible. Having a client like Boeing, Dan, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I'm so glad that you're on here because I feel like people need to be reminded of the fact that not everybody has the luxury of being able to work from home. And there's actually businesses out here that still make things and manufacture product. And that's how the actual world runs. And, you know, there's not enough people that I think really appreciate that. And I hope enough people listen to this and kind of realize that the companies that really like make up our entire world and allow us to function are ones that require being at the factory and making things. So we're thanks for being on here. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. It's either grown mind or manufactured. That's where value is created. Uh, the rest of, you know, the things that we do is kind of moving money around. So I think manufacturing and obviously I'm, I'm partial, but I think manufacturing is critical to our country. And, and we've seen a pretty big renaissance in, in manufacturing, a lot of reshoring, uh, you know, as the uh, investigation I've done shows that American manufacturing is by far the most productive in the world. Um, we are able to use technology. Our folks are creative. Uh, the innovation's amazing. The American work ethic is really good. And in Utah, it, I think it's the best in the country. So we're pretty proud of uh, being able to make stuff and, and produce things that almost everything you touch was impacted by machining and manufacturing. So Matt, do you see any trends that like a normal day-to-day -day person like ourselves would not even be able to think about in your world with where technology is heading in the next few years that you're noticing? Yeah. You know, a lot of people that are maybe aren't have a glimpse into a, a modern manufacturing facility. There's a ton of automation um, and we're using a lot of data. Uh, Industry 4.0 is kind of the, one of the big terms right now. And because of um, the fact that our labor is relatively expensive compared to low cost countries, we've had to employ a lot of technology, a lot of automation. Uh, we've got equipment that a very highly skilled 
a person who could wear a white shirt all day long and not get dirty is uh, is making those machines sing. Uh, he goes or she goes home at uh, four o'clock and they come in in the morning and the machine is still running. And wow. so, uh, you know, we've had to really add a lot of uh, a lot of automation. Um, uh, 3D printing is a big is a big deal to us. But uh, uh, at this juncture, and I, I don't see a pathway that it will replace um, the type of machining that we do. It will complement. We use it quite a bit for uh, a lot of uh, ancillary tooling and things like that for what we're doing. There is metal 3D printing that I think is is doing and creating manufactured products that you can't make in any other way, but just because of the time spent and the cost of doing it, I don't think it will replace this manufacturing, but. Uh, Can you give uh, an example of like a 3D printing metal object that's makes when I think, of, and this might just sound so ignorant right now, but when I think of 3D printers and this whole movement of 3D printers, I just imagine these like little, you know, fun things that you could put on your desk that you could print out of a 3D printer. And hearing you talk about a 3D printer printing metal objects out, like what, what do you mean? What kind of metal objects? Well, there, it, like uh, GE, um, jet, jet, jet engines, um, they've got a fuel nozzle that they 3D print. I think it might be out of titanium. You can do a lot of different metals, but by virtue of the, the way a 3D printer works, you can create all sorts of crazy internal passageways you can actually shrink parts down and get a function out of them that you you just can't make that any other way. So um, it's uh, I think the most productive is the laser sintering where a powder is put in a metal powder and then the laser melts it and it uh, layer by layer by layer creates uh, the part. And so uh, there's some uh, we don't have a metal a metal printer. We have uh, polymer printers and and. Like I said, we use those in a lot of cases. Just right now, we're we're making a, a, a small nozzle for an adhesive that we're applying. It's uh, it's it's just another really great tool. But there are applications for three um, D metal printing that's gonna it'll it'll definitely change uh, the way a lot of parts and a lot of things are built. But uh, like I said, uh, there's planes flying right now that have got a, a fuel injector made through three D metal printing. Wow. Yeah. How much how much does one of those printers go for? Uh probably you're looking at about four hundred thousand dollars for a low end printer. Whoa. And they go up from there. And they have a very long shelf life? Uh I would guess. I mean a lot of this equipment the most of the machines on our floor for manufacturing, I mean two hundred thousand dollar machine is a pretty cheap machine. Right. It's not hard to spend half a million and to get something with the automation that we need. We're spending a million dollars a piece for equipment. So it's a pretty capital intensive business. Um, and when we're charging somewhere just shy of $100 an hour, you got to get a lot of hours um, of utilization of those machines to make it pay for themselves. But we're doing it. And wow. we're doing globally with it, it's just really, really cool. Do you have to have engineers on staff just in case machinery breaks? Uh, yeah, so for breakage, we have a maintenance department, and uh, we also have uh, support from our from the builders of these machines. But most of the engineers that we have are process or manufacturing engineers. So these are the folks that are de that are designing the process to make that. You, they're using CAD CAM systems to virtually manufacture that part um, and graphically, and then uh, they create the code that then is dropped into the machine. So a machinist will then uh, 
put the work holding in place to hold the metal or plastic. Uh, they'll download the uh, programs and proof the programs out. They'll set the tooling. There's thousands of variations of tooling that are utilized to make these uh, parts. And then their job is to monitor it, make sure it's running according to our customer specification. And a lot of this stuff, I mean, it, if it's functioning in a jet engine, you can imagine how, how precise these parts have to be. The level of quality is off the charts. I have no problem getting on an aircraft. Um, just understanding how the quality requirements for these types of things. And quite frankly, the, you know, the, the, the expectations of our customers are perfect parts. So uh, uh, that's a given. If you, have to, you have to be there to even play the game. And then uh, from there, it's all delivery. But the, um, the engineering side of it, it's pretty front end heavy. We've got to design that process so that it's making good parts and it's within the time that we bid the part at. So um, we have 12 engineers on our staff of 180. Wow. So you, you brought up delivery. How, how do you actually go about the delivery portion of your business? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, we're dealing, we, we've got about 4,000 jobs running right now. So uh, roughly 1,200 different parts, completely different parts. It could be different metal, plastic, uh, different geometry and uh, we've got a, a really solid ERP system that uh, runs from quote through controlling our inventory including our scheduling so we'll go through and decide okay first operation we're going to put on a CNC lathe it's going to take four hours to set up it's going to run in 15 minutes apart that's into the system and it all runs through the permutations to say here's your priority this is how many uh, parts you have to make during a day and uh, this is when you can start your next one. So it's uh, it's grown far beyond, you know, my dad used to basically schedule in his head because he'd have 20 parts running. And as you can imagine, as the company's grown, so have our systems. And the systems are really what are scalable to allow us to, uh, to be able to handle both growth and the volume of work that we do. And I think that pertains to any business. I mean, a small business, you can keep your arms around it, you know, whether if, if it's a restaurant, I, you can tell those big restaurants, they've got to have some pretty good systems, good training processes. They've got to have a way of creating a repeatable outcome day in and day out. The same has been true. And that was probably one of the things that I was I, I blessed with early on. I had a professor that uh, had been to Japan and learned the Toyota production system. And he came back and talked a lot about systems. And so our quality management systems documented we do things the same way all day, every day. And because of that, we can expect a repeatable outcome and a, uh, you know, a product that conforms to customer specs. If that doesn't happen, everything falls apart. And as we've grown, we've been able to maintain quality delivery, those types of things um, uh, in, a, in a way that you would expect to happen, which is somewhat miraculous given the, the variety and complexity of our statement of work. Wow. I mean, your attention to detail is really impressive, Matt, as is your passion. It's, it seems like you're, you're a newbie with your business of how pumped you are, which I think is really important in entrepreneurship with, you know, being able to be at the helm as long as you have. And how important on one end do you think it is to get started young? Because we all got our business started as well in college. And with that, what piece of advice would you give somebody that's really eager to start a business for the first time? Oh, that's interesting. We actually, I just got done taping um, a, uh, a virtual career fair 
um, and we're going to do a Facebook Live tonight, so that people looking at you know where the yeah, young people or people looking at changing a career can get an insight into what our work environment looks like, what the jobs look like, um, pay, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think a young person needs to do a little more research on their career than just you know jump into something because they had a professor they liked in college. I mean, find somebody that you know that's doing that and ask them if you can if you can shadow them for a, a few hours or a day. I think that's really critical to, to know what you're getting into. And then if you can get a job, even if it's sweeping the floor in the kind of business where you want to, to end up. And um, I'm really of the opinion that a person who shows up every day is conscious of adding value. Something that's in our, our, our core values as a company is adding value on an hour by hour, day, day by day basis. Um, here we have people that, you know, have really advanced. In fact, today we're going to have a final review for our uh, apprenticeship. We'll have a journey level machinist. It's a four-year program. It's equivalent to a bachelor's degree. And uh, I think of uh, Kenton and what he has done starting out. And he just every day has showed up and done his best. He, he's not perfect. He's made mistakes, but it's, um, and we tell our, our team members that if you are adding more value to the organization than you're taking out in pay and benefits, life is going to be good and those opportunities are going to come your way. So maybe that's an old guy talking about a life philosophy, but I think it applies in any, in any business. Um, if you're looking at getting into a leadership role, hone your art. I mean, don't ever give up on learning. There's, there's always something new to learn and there's so many cool ways to learn through podcasts, um, obviously reading is a, is a place I like to spend my time. Audio books are great too. Um, I mean, there's, there's just so many ways to get information and stay cutting edge on, um, on whatever it is that you've wanted to do. And if you're passionate enough about it, uh, then those opportunities will come. But I mean, it's, I don't know too many situations where it's going to be handed to you without, uh, people, you know, you doing your part and paying your dues and it's a slow grind. I've always said that my dad did the hard part in those first 10 years of taking it from zero to when I took over our annual sales were $674,000. Um, last year we did 50 million. Whoa. Congratulations. You, just to cut back. And you said that when you uh, originally took over, you're, you only had one client as well, right? Yeah. One customer. Yep. So yeah. that's pretty crazy back then doing that much volume from one customer. Well, I mean, what was that like? I know you were kind of just taking over, but being that reliant on one customer. It was scary. And that was a, yeah. a defense uh, company that, that was defense related. And, and those businesses inherently are cyclical based on what the budget is. And so it was very obvious that we needed to diversify. So we went out and bought a new machine, new technology, put it on the floor without really knowing what we were going to do with it. Um, Chris Peterson, who's now our, he's on our senior management level, chief process officer came back from his honeymoon and the machine was on the floor and, and I was more running the business and programming the machines and he was setting it up. So we went to town, we got into commercial aircraft from there and it's just grown from that point. But, uh, uh, it, it, wow. diversity is, is super important. And, you know, I, I, I don't know there's any secret to, to making it all happen. It's just showing up every day and giving it your, your best. And it's absolutely it really is. But if you're, 
you know, if you're seeing change and success, it's pretty easy to stay engaged. Um, you know, right now is such a, a weird time to be in business. Certainly we've had our gut punches. Um, a lot of the commercial work we do is moved out, but we've refocused our effort and having a great team around you is, is critical. So, uh, you know, that's, Maybe went off on a tangent there. But. No, that was great. And that, that to touch on that, Matt, that's part of what's awesome about, that we have this podcast is having guests such as yourself where we learn a bunch. And I think entrepreneurship, we've seen a common theme with all of our guests, the power of the pivot to be able to stay relevant and stay growing and keep your culture engaged and being ever curious. You know, I think entrepreneurs always are just fascinated by learning new things and you have to be with the way the world moves and shakes. So that's really cool hearing you say that. And Matt, being in the restaurant industry, obviously, we have to put you on the spot here. Do you have any favorite spot uh, restaurants in Ogden? Yeah, Ogden's been, it's, I used to be embarrassed to say I was from Ogden, to be honest with you, because it was uh, <laughs> really a past its prime railroad town. And then some, some city fathers looked at it and said, hey, you know what, we've got this street that every soldier going to the Pacific during World War II came in through. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty scary, honestly. They went in and started grabbing buildings and offering incentives, and now it's restaurant row. And uh, I used to never eat in Ogden, but now we never leave because there's so <laughs> many restaurants here. There's, believe it or not, in landlocked Ogden, Utah, there's one of the best sushi restaurants I've ever been to. And Really? Local, homegrown, right there on 25th Street. Oh, um, Matt, we'll have to take you there when we come to town. Please do. Yeah, yeah definitely. We'll check it out. But uh, yeah, that's that's a, a good one. Uh, there's some really good steakhouses around, a um, couple of really good Italian restaurants. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I have an absolute favorite because there's a lot of variety and I love them all. Yeah. Hey, and I, throughout the pandemic, Matt, have you been ordering in delivery, pickup? Are you a big cook? I, I like, I really do like to cook. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we've probably done a little bit more eating in than eating out. But we've, my wife and I have tried hard to support the local businesses, the small uh, restaurants, the privately owned. Uh, so, you know, we've done a fair amount of both. Um, we've done pickup. Uh, the restaurants weren't down for too terribly long here in Utah. Um, and they've done a good job of keeping things safe. So we still eat out. But um, uh I would say, you know, cooking in, we've gotten a little more serious about that and had a good time doing it. Nice. We'll have to hook you up with some low Dell food credit for uh, you and your wife. That'd be awesome. Definitely. And to uh, before we end here, Matt, we, what's your last meal on earth? Death row meal. My last meal on earth. Oh, you know, I probably steak and lobster. Uh, wow. I cook the steak too. It's killing. I don't like to eat anybody else's. So. Are you a medium rare guy? <laughs> How do you cook it? Yeah, me never. Love it. Yeah. Matt, that was amazing. And for our viewers, where can they find your company? Uh, we're on the web, www.jdmachine.com, and all the contact information is there. Awesome. Matt, our team's pumped when we come to Ogden when this pandemic settles. We'd love to break bread with you or chopsticks with that sushi place. <laughs> Let me know. I'm in. Thanks, Thanks so much for your time, Matt. Thanks, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, we really learned a lot from you. Yeah, it's been Take amazing. Care. Have a great night. You too. Take care. That was Matt Wardle, uh, CEO of JD Machine Corp. I think it's been the most fascinating guest. I, we've had great guests, but in terms of knowledge shed on us, 
I'd say that was pretty remarkable. When I was looking him up, like I was telling you guys right before he came on, I was like, you know, let him just run with this. And I love how he did because yeah. I didn't really understand how to give him a proper intro with his business. And it's remarkable what he's in. And Dan, that was a great point you brought up with the manufacturing, how no one really does see that a lot of the time. And Corey, you had some great points you brought up with them as well there. That was a great uh, guess for us. Yeah, yeah. no, that, when Dan said that, that was really fascinating because, you know, everyone talks about essential employees, but the people in manufacturing are essential employees and they don't get enough credit. They don't because they're behind really closed doors. Yeah. yeah, and we're also biased being obviously like, don't get me wrong, I'm not shoo-shooing like delivery providers. It's an incredible thing they've been doing throughout all this, like, Absolutely. I wouldn't have even been fed when I was in New York if it wasn't for couriers. There was that point. But at the end of the day, yeah, you're dead on. There's way more essential workers than just people in food. There are yeah, obviously right. the healthcare workers like we've talked about with the frontline workers. But manufacturing, you're right. The world moves on that. Without people making things, what are we? They're the you know? uh, yeah, I mean, not to put something above something else, but you know, they're technically like the most essential worker that exists on the planet because, you know, like without, even when I was in like, just outside of Bowling Green, Danny's sister and her fiance live like in Kentucky and they work for Logan Steel and it's this like massive steel plant. And they basically make like all the steel that goes around the country and world for you know, cans, like different things that steel is used for. You go to this place and you just like, don't even think about the fact that it's like, oh man, like, you know, we drink cans of soda or water or whatever steel is used for. And just the whole process of how these things all come together is- I think it's where we grew up too, right? Like all of it, we didn't grow up in like Pittsburgh, like Steel Town. I think a lot of it's where you are around. Even uh, Nick used to talk about that, where he grew up in West Laugh there were manufacturing plants right down the street. So yeah. I think that's a lot of a cultural thing, like right. where, where you're conditioned from. Cause yeah, we had no at all, like, sure. We drove past it when you were going to New York city, when you saw those, you know, big smokestacks and you'd be yeah, like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Like Blaze yeah. to Nicholas works at one of those places. Like that's, what's remarkable. And we, when I was back there last we drove past there when we were together and he was like telling me about, it. I'm like, man, I never even like took that to that level of thinking. It was just like kind of blended in. Yeah. Factories have that weird, mysterious look to them, almost like Willy Wonka and the Charles. It's cool. Yeah. Like smoke coming out of it. There's no way to really get in it. Like you know, with our company, when we've like done marketing over the years, anytime you like try and go into a place like that, there's no way you're getting in. And there are just these like massive buildings with hundreds of cars, parts just surrounding the building. And you have no idea what's going on in it's there. Like, yeah. There's a lot of important stuff going on in there. Production. Corey, you want to get some food for thought here? Yeah, we can do some food for thought. I was just going to talk about uh, salmon today. Pretty interesting. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Let me just put up here. But yeah, um, there's actually a bunch of different types of salmon and i don't know i've been trying to go on this health kick so i figured i'd pull it up second here how healthy of a health kick <laughs> all right so there's four different types of salmon that are really common and they're all just different so you got atlantic you got your king your coho and your sockeye 
And here's the difference. The Atlantic salmon, it's very fatty. It's higher in omega-6s, and it's usually farmed. Um, it can, it, but this Atlantic is most common that people get, but it actually contains a lot of toxins and antibiotics, and it's actually not highly recommended by environmental groups. But most people that are getting salmon at the grocery store, that's what they're getting. So I'm trying to tell you guys what salmon to get, by the way. Okay. The king salmon is it's the most fatty of the salmon. It's the most expensive. It's the highest in omega threes and it's wild. It's a wild salmon and it's got like a mild flavor. So you want to either get the king or the sockeye. The sockeye is a lean salmon. It's usually skinnier. Um, it's a little bit lighter in color or actually a little bit darker in color, but also all, by the way, all these salmons are really healthy and rich in omega threes, but some of them just have way more chemicals like the Atlantia. You, you, muted, you muted again, Corey, on us. That's crazy. Though. I, I don't even think I've ever heard of the last one that he keeps saying. Yeah, I, I did not. I'm a, I, you know, I like salmon with locks and sushi. Yeah, no, that's kind of why. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I enjoy salmon, but I just, people don't. I, th I think you're uh, it's the AirPods. Apple with no, the no, it's, oh. it's my microphone. It's uh, going in and out. But yeah, point being, there's a lot of different types of salmon and you don't really realize when you're grocery shopping. So it's important to, to actually look at the salmon. And the sockeye and the king are the ones you want to get if you're looking at trying to stay away from chemicals and antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. good to know. I feel like I've been getting the one that you said not to get on life. Yeah, it's just the most common one that they usually have at like your basic supermarket. Obviously, if you go to a higher end one, you're going to get better stuff. Well, now we know. That's good to, you know, stay away from that other stuff. Sockeye and King. Sockeye. Yeah. Good Sockeye. stuff. Salmon. Maybe I'll get some salmon roll tonight. There we go. May, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that intermittent fasting. I, I haven't eaten yet today. That that was a good one, guys. By the way, yep. did you guys see the uh, the bar stool or stool? Or what's your, Dave Portnoy's speech about Trump last night? No. Well, no. He also I, went crazy, saying that um, you know he knew he was going to win, and he pretty much pulled the Trump card right after Trump did it, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, obviously getting a lot of backlash now. I mean, it's still, I think this thing is still up in the air. But then yeah. the video he put up like an hour ago, just basically. I didn't see that one. Both sides. Or, he basically put up a video saying, hey, this is a video of me admitting that I was wrong and I called it too late. <laughs> and yeah. I'm admitting it because that's what leadership's all about. It's admitting when you call something wrong. And he was basically saying like, what the hell is going on here? You know, and then he was calling out both sides. He's like, both sides are so just politically corrupt. Like, if either side thinks that they are... Well, it's going to be all... Yeah, it's time for a new system is the reality. But it'll be interesting to have this in the rear view mirror and uh, in the front view mirror is dinner. There we go. Boom, baby. Boom. So, so everyone have a great night. Subscribe to us. Bootstrapped in the trenches. Thanks for viewing. Have a great night and we'll catch you next week. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves going all out.
every day and handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go